Um, if you're new here, my name's Steve. I'm one of the pastors here. It's great to have you here. Um, it's a big Sunday today. Um, today is what we call our Vision Sunday. It's the first Sunday of every Feb. And we just take a moment to uh, kick off our new ministry teams. We kick off our, all of our kids. Um, as you can see, none of the kids are here, but we also all of our teachers are in the back. Um, I, think we, I think close to like 20, 25 kids uh, in the back, including our high school kids as well. So um, they're, they're now started as well. Um, so please pray for those teachers. Oh, 11 months of freedom until we have to see them again next January. <laughs> Um, and then we just, we, we take a moment um, to just talk about who we are as a church. So if you're new, if you've never been here um, on a Vision Sunday, it's great to have you here. Um, the vision of the Chapel Sydney, so our church, states this. This is the vision statement. The Chapel Sydney is a multi-ethnic, multi-generational gospel community that exists to love God and love people. Now this is the vision so when you say, well, what's the vision? This is where we're going. All right, it's the goal. We want to be a multi-ethnic, multi-generational gospel community that exists to love God and love people. That's where we're going. And so then the next question is, well, how do we get there? And that's what we call the mission statement. Um, and and, and our, our mission statement reads this, belong to Jesus, become like Jesus, and be a blessing in Jesus' name for his Glory, And this is where these three words, belong, become, and bless, uh, come in. And, and you'll hear a lot about them. Um, and so we, uh, yeah, that's, that's who we are. That's what we do as a church. Um, and so our new belong groups that, that will kick off. And, and this is, uh, the reason why we have belong groups is simple. We believe that on a Sunday, in the hour and a half, two hours that you're here, is not enough time for you to even have decent conversations, let alone deep conversations, let alone make deep relationships and friendships where you can practice out your faith. And so our small groups, our belong groups, um, are, are midweek, and we get together um, we share a meal, we share what's been going on in our lives, uh, we pray for each other, and it's also a great space to bring friends and family um, that may not go to church, but probably need friends, you know, probably need some conversations, probably need some support, um, and that's what we do in our uh, belong groups. Um, we've been talking about the idea of belong um, over the last month, and today's our last um, uh, week in that. And we've just been talking about this idea of the importance of belonging, like how important it is to actually feel belonging or be belonging, to be uh, belonging to something bigger than just ourselves. And one of the big things that we've been talking about is that as Jesus wants us to come and belong, he doesn't want us to come and fit in. And I really, I, for me, out of all the things that, that, that I was uh, preaching this month, that thing just kept coming back to me. This idea that we don't come to church or we don't come to God to fit in. But we come as we are to belong. And I think that's such a powerful message in our community because if you look around, we don't fit in. Like the person, you know, like the church is one of the most diverse places in the whole world. Like if it wasn't for church, I'm pretty sure you wouldn't hang out with each other. Let's be honest. Because I wouldn't hang out with you, and I'm pretty sure you wouldn't hang out with me, 
right, if, if, if it wasn't about church. But the beauty of the church is it becomes a place where you come as you are, accepted for who you are, and you get to be a part of this. And you don't have to change. You don't have to work to fit in. You can just be yourself. And today we conclude with what I've titled Open House, Open Hearts, as we look at the importance of hospitality. Now, let's define what hospitality is. Hospitality, um, the quality or disposition or receiving and treating guests and strangers in a warm, friendly, generous way. That's what the term hospitality is. Now, in the New Testament, in the Bible, the Greek word translated for hospitality literally means love of strangers. That's what hospitality is. If you're being a hospitable person, you are Treating and loving strangers. Um, in, in the, the whole uh, story of the Bible, actually, the, the thread of hospitality is, is throughout all Old and New Testament. Um, Leviticus in the Old Testament, 1933-34, um, it reads this, um, When a foreigner resides among you in your land, do not mistreat them. The foreigner among you must be treated as your native born. Love them as yourself, for you were foreigners in Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Right from the Old Testament, God, his heart has been for the stranger. And he pretty much has said, don't treat strangers like outsiders. Don't treat them like different people. Actually, treat them like yourself. Look after them. Love them. Uh, in the same way, we're reminded that actually once we were strangers to God, and yet God showed his love and mercy upon us uh, uh, to take us back as his children. And, and so if the heart of God, if the heart of God is to love and treat strangers as ourselves, then if this was the heart of God, then should not the house of God be the place of hospitality, right? The church, the church should be one of the most open places where the stranger can come and receive warmth, love, and belonging. Now, here's some scripture in God's word to, 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 to show us um, what it means to be hospitable. Hebrews 13, 2, do not forget to show hospitality Hospitality to strangers, for by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Romans 12, 13, share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. 1 Peter 4, 8 and 9, above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. As we've read, these passages in the New Testament not only describe what hospitality is. It's a hard word to say. Okay, let's just, let's just call it what it is, right? Okay, it's not because I'm having an off day. It's a hard word to say. Okay, at home, try it. In your mirror, 10 times. Hospitality, hospitality. Okay, just, okay. And it's hot. Be gracious. The Bible doesn't just describe what hospitality should look like, but it prescribes what Christian living is actually all about. And as we've mentioned in previous weeks, you don't have to come and fit in here at the chapel. You can come and belong here. And we as a church are called to show hospitality 
to each and every person. But I believe that as a call, uh, our call, not just as believers, as, as a church to have an open church, but actually hospitality needs to be a way of life. You don't just come to church to show hospitality. Actually, as a Christian, as a believer, we're called to be hospitable wherever you are. And one place that you can live this out is in your own home. Now, I understand, in this room, we have all different varieties of different living arrangements. Some of you, you live in your own home. Some of you share. Some of you live with your parents. Some of you um, are renting. Some of you own, right? So the idea is, you know, obviously for some of you, it's not easy to open up your home to strangers. But that's not the point. The point is, do you have the heart of hospitality that is wanting that is wanting to be hospitable to strangers, whether you have a home or not, right? Are you willing to love and share with those around you? Now, for those that do have a home or a house, is it for you? And this was a question that kept coming up. Did, do, is your house, is the purpose of your house for you? Right? Because a lot of people, we, this is what we think, right? We think that our house is our castle, right? We think that our house is our private space. You know, whatever happens in the home, you know, that's my space. No one needs to know about that, right? And what I do outside and what I do inside is completely different. But the, the, the question really is is your house yours? In the same way as believers, we believe that our life is not for ourselves, right? If Jesus is the Lord of our lives, we don't live for ourselves, but we live for Jesus. What about your house? Would it not be the same? Now, my wife and I, we've been married for 17 years. And one of the things that we have never disagreed upon is the way that we use our house. Now, we, have, we live in a big house because we have a big family, right? It's just what it is. But one of the things that my wife and I have always said from the beginning was our house would be a home for our family, but would also be a home for others. And when we actually look for a house, you know, other people, when you look for a house, what do you look for, right? You, you know, you look for good sunlight, you look for location, you look for the value of the property, things like that. You know, when, when Mel and I look for a house to move into, right, we look for street parking, right, because we always have people over and it's annoying if you don't have street parking, right? We always look for the amount of bedrooms and not because we want to give our kids each their room. That's impossible. We don't have that. We, we, we're not that rich, Right? But we always want to have a room in our house, which we call the emergency room, where people can come and stay. And over 17 years, we've had multiple people come, families come between houses, people, overseas travelers come. We've had people with you know, that got kicked out of their house that came and stayed. We had people um, escaping domestic violence come and stay. But the one thing that I'm so grateful to, to, to my wife about is that we've never, we've never had to argue about whether this was something that was right or wrong for us because we've always understood that this house is not for me. That's not my house. 
It's God's house. And so how do we use God's house for God's purposes? Right? Now, I don't share this to boast or receive any recognition, but it is completely for the sake of God's glory. We, we literally, we have an open door policy. And you know what? And I'll get into this later, but it's not easy. Right? And I'll speak to the families with kids later because it really, it's not easy, right? Everyone's got schedules. Everyone's got things that they need to juggle. But when you think of your house as your own, then that's the priority. But when you think of your house as God's and, 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 and serving God, actually, that becomes the priority. And so the way we live in it is different. Hebrews 3, 4, for every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything, Right? You, we have to start to shift. Same with the church, right? Yes, you and I, we come to this church. This is not our building, right? If there's a group that wants to come and use it and pay rent, yeah, of course they can come, right? We share this building. It's not our house. We don't have to be precious about it. We don't have to be precious about these windows or doors or the carpets, right? It's not ours. It's God's. We realize that this hospitality was ingrained uh, in our family. Um, one of the things that uh, we do at our church is uh, Mel and I will host Christmas dinner, uh, something that we've been doing for, oh, I, I don't even remember when we, we didn't do it. The simple premise was this, no one should have dinner on Christmas Day alone. So we open up our house and we say, if anyone's got no plans, come. Come and have Christmas dinner. And it's been amazing, Right? We've had just the most wonderful dinners. But I realized that, actually, I learned this. I learned this from my mom. Uh, my mom, a huge heart of hospitality, right? Uh, my parents have been here since the 70s. Um, and, and, you know, the early waves of migration, uh, my mom and dad uh, were, you know, they were privileged enough to have their own home. And they would serve migrants that just came from overseas. And I remember during Christmas dinner, I would be like, who are all the... And it was odd because it was like, not just who are all of you, but it was like, why are you giving me Christmas presents, right? Like, I, I receive Christmas presents from the most random people I've never met before. And I realized now that I think back, that's exactly what my mom would do. She would literally invite anyone and everyone to come Christmas dinner and have Christmas at our place. I heard this, I heard this, I met this girl once and she said, my parents know your parents. And I said, how? And they said, well, this funny story. When my dad first came to Sydney, someone gave him your dad's number and your dad's name and said, when you get out of the airport, call this guy. And he'll look after you. Now, I asked my dad. I said, Dad, do you remember? He goes, no, I have no idea. <laughs> right? Now, safe ministries, I don't know what we would say about that, right? Right? But literally, the story was this guy got off the airplane, called my dad and said, hey, I'm so-and-so from so-and-so. You know, someone you know gave me that number. And, and my dad went to the airport, picked him up, brought him to our house. He stayed at our house for two weeks while he found a job, while he found accommodation. Who does that, right? Think about that. Would that happen today, right? It'd be crazy, but shouldn't it happen? 
shouldn't that be normal for the church? Right? Um, my mum lived, my parents lived this out. And so that's why it's not foreign for us. Right? Here's a quote. When a believing family discovers how to unlock their home and invite others in, that family takes a new significance in the program of God uh, on earth and becomes a base for operation for the Holy Spirit in their community. When we learn to open up our homes, our homes become more than just a place we live. They actually become a place of rest. They can become a place of healing. They can become a place of provision and a place of fellowship. Now, a quick comment to families with kids. Sometimes we think that, once again, our homes are like a castle, and actually those walls protect our children. And whilst uh, it is very important to provide our children a safe and secure environment, this does not become an excuse to not open up your home and for you to not be hospitable, if anything. By opening up your home, you're giving your children a greater education and a greater vision for their home to become more than just for them. But actually, you're giving them a life lesson for something that they can have for the rest of their life. Remember, there's no greater safety or security than our God. And as much as we want to close doors and close, um, you know, the, the boundaries to protect our children, I promise you, God is more protective of your children than your four walls. So you've got to trust him in that. We live this in our house. My kids, uh, you know, and we, we've had to juggle this, right? But my kids, when we pick them up, the first question is, who's coming tonight? Right now, it got a bit extreme because they started getting angry that no one was coming, right? So we needed to find a balance in that too, right? But that's how, it become, that's how ingrained it was in our home. Now, the beauty, right? It's, it's so amazing, right? Open, ho- open home, open heart, right? But friends, open house comes at a cost. There's a cost, right? It's not all free. Uh, I, 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 I've, I've identified five costs. Number one, money. It costs money. Some of you eat a lot. <laughs> just, I'll just say it as it is, right? I'm not going to name any names. But to provide food, drinks, even coffee and snacks, right? It costs money, right? When, when, when you invite someone over to be hospitable, you're not going to be like, hey, potluck, BYO dinner, right? To be hospitable is to, you know, look after their needs, right? But it costs money. You know, once again, God provides, right? And I've always, you know, been so, like, sometimes I look at our grocery bill and I go, is it because we have so many kids or is it because we have so many people coming over, right? And I don't know, right? I don't know. But my kids do eat a lot, but some of you eat a lot as well, right? So it costs money. That's a very real cost. Number two, it costs time. If you want to invite someone over, there's, that's your evening gone. Right? And it's not just the time that the guests are there in your house, but it's the preparation time, it's the cleaning time, and it's the clean-up time after. Right? People come, and they eat, and they leave, and then, and then the clean-up happens after, right? So it costs time. Third thing, it costs effort. It costs cleaning. Right? The washing up. I'm just going to say it here right now. I get annoyed. I love when people come over. But my pet peeve is this. 
if you have tea and you have a tea bag, don't, don't weave that tea bag into the handle and leave it like that. Because when I go to clean the cup, I have to unweave that tea bag, right? You know who you are, right? You know who you are, right? But there is a real time cost. There is a real effort cost of cleaning up before and cleaning up after, right? That's, it's a very real cost. Number four, it's a cost of routine. Inviting people over, it actually breaks routine. Right? We, we like to know, Monday we're going to do this, Tuesday we're going to do this, th- you know, Wednesday we're going to do this. And then suddenly you're like, oh, actually, hey, we're going to have so-and-so over for lunch, uh, for dinner on the Tuesday. Suddenly it's like, okay, well, then I can't do the things that I was going to do on Tuesday. I have to shift my whole week schedule around. And once again, with families, it, it, you know, it's hard, right? You know, my kids sleep at certain times, and I have to try to uphold that for their sake and their, their, you know, their mentality, Right? But suddenly we've got like, you know, 15 people coming over, right? It it is. There's a cost to that, right? Finally, there's there's a, and I've just called it vulnerability. Opening up your private space, your personal space space costs vulnerability. Why? Because we can become self-conscious of what my home looks like and what people will think about it when they come. Right Now, people who've never invited people over, you don't know this, you don't understand this, but I think there is a very real cost of you opening up your home, suddenly they now know what brand toilet paper you use. Now, that's a very private decision that you have made, and they now know if you are a double-ply, a triple-ply, or a quadruple-ply kind of a family, right? You know, sometimes it's like, and sometimes people get, um, they get self-conscious about food. And I've heard this before. I'd love to have people over, but I'm just worried. I'm worried that what I'm going to serve is not going to be good enough or not going to be edible for what the person is going to, right? The, the guests that come. I understand. I completely, like, this is a very real cost, right? These are all major costs of opening up your home and practicing hospitality, right? Very real. And, and I would say enough to not invite anyone over. So why do we do it then? Why do we, why are we called to be hospitable, right? Four reasons. Number one, because God showed us hospi- hospitality first. Friends, you and I must remember that we are first. We were strangers to God. And God, he opened up his hands and his heart to each and every one of us. Friends, the reason why you're here today is because God opened up his house to you, the stranger. He opened up his house and, 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 and you want to know how much he loved and served you? Uh, you know, it's not just about the food and the drink and the time, but he actually gave his one and only son to die on the cross so that you could be here. Remember, friends, everything that we have, everything that we eat, everything that we wear, everything that we, you know, is in our house, ultimately it's all from God. Sometimes we think that, oh, I earn the money and I work hard. Friends, please. If it wasn't for God, you and I, we would have nothing, including the breath in our lungs. Right? And if it's all because, if, if, if everything that we have was, is because God has given that to us, how dare we withhold that same hospitality to others? 
right? The first reason we need to understand is because we are recipients of hospitality. Second reason is this, because in, in the eyes of God, everyone is precious, right? I'm going to challenge this. I'm going to go one more step. Hospitality does not pick and choose, right? Hospitality does not pick and choose who comes into your house, right? The, the word stranger means you don't know them, you know? But for some reason, even for us, like our hospitality only goes a certain way or only goes to a certain people, right? Let me ask you, let me challenge you. If you have not had a meal with someone that, that, that is new to you in the last 12 months, one of the reasons for this reason, uh, for this could be, it's not because you're not hospitable, it's because you're picky on who you choose to be hospitable to. Now, you might have people over all the time, right? But if it's the same amount of people, if it's the same people, if it's the same type of people, then I don't know if that's necessarily being hospitable. I think that's having your friends over. Right? There's a big difference between having strangers over and having friends over. I don't think being hospitable is when your mates come over and you crack a case of beers. Right? That's called friendship. Right? That's just friendship. Right? Hospitable is having someone that you don't know or you don't know very well. Right? And opening up your home to do that. Now, what's the issue with just having friends over and not strangers over? Is because Suddenly, we pick and choose who deserves to come over to my house. And yet, God does not live like that. That's not the way God thinks, right? God does not pick and choose who he invited, who he loved, who he was hospitable to, right? God, for, for God so loved the world, that means every single person in the world. You know, once again, you know, Everyone is precious to God. The homeless man on the street is precious to God. The single mother is precious to God. The overseas student that can't speak English is precious to God. Just like you are precious to God, they are precious to God. And so when we show hospitality, we've got to understand that when we see the person, it's not, you know, do they deserve to come to my house? No, they are precious in the eyes of God. Therefore, they should be precious in our eyes. We love because... Not just because God loves us, because He loves others as well. That's the third reason, uh, second reason why we show hospitality, because everyone is precious to God. Third reason is because God commands us to. This is the easiest one. We've already read multiple scripture about how God commands us to be hospitable. Here's a few more. Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus, to do what? Good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Proverbs 14, 31. Whoever oppresses the poor shows contempt for their maker, but whoever is kind to the needy honors God. Hebrews 13, 16. And do not forget to do good and to share with others for such sacrifices God is pleased. 1 John 3, 17. If anyone has material possession and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person. Real simple, right? You show hospitality because God tells you, if you're going to follow me, if you're going to become more like me, this is what I do. This is who I am. Go and do it. And the fourth reason why we show hospitality is because it makes us more like Jesus. And in another sense, it makes us better. 
A life of love and hospitality is the very life that Jesus lived. From next week, we're going to start, uh, we're going to do a, a, a two-month series in the life of Jesus through the Gospel of Mark. And one of the things that you're going to really understand about who this Jesus person is, is that he was all about helping the needy. He was all about feeding the poor, all about healing the sick. Now, Jesus didn't have a home on earth, but you know if Jesus did, it would have been full. But the thing about Jesus is he does have a home, not on earth, but in heaven. It's his Father's house. This is what John 14, 1 and 3 says. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. Jesus opens up his Father's house to us, the stranger. And as we practice hospitality in our lives, in our homes, with our money, our time, our possessions, our lives start to mirror the life of Jesus who we love and worship. Friends, are you hospitable? One of the biggest things that we understand is when you open your home, automatically you open your heart. One of the beauties of our church, of the church, and of our faith is we, what, what we really value is deep relationships. We want to know you. But can I tell you, until you have been in that person's home, there is something that, that that's, it's a barrier. Until you've met that person in that person's setting, there's something that, you know, that you're missing out on. And, but when you go, when you get invited to someone's house, when you go to their place, uh, you know, or, or, or you get invited out to be treated to a meal, that relationship just goes to a next level, a different level. And I believe that that's the model that God has given to us. He says, hey, everything that, everything that you have, I've given it to you, but it's not just for your sake, but use it for my kingdom. To belong to Jesus is to recognize that even while we were still sinners, God sent his one and only son, Jesus, to die on the cross, that whoever believes in him shall not perish and have eternal life. Eternal life where? Here? No, in his father's house. We're going to spend the eternity in the house of God. And as we are invited as strangers into the house of God to belong to him, we are called to do the same on earth through our, our church, our community, and our homes. And who, who is it for? It's for the stranger. It's for the least, the poor, the needy, the isolated, the broken, the sinful, and the wretched. And we do it because Jesus loves all. The question that I ask today is this. It's not, do you have an open house that we can all come back and have lunch in about one hour's time? You know, that's not the question, right? The question is, do you have an open heart? Do you have an open heart? 
I've met so many people in our church community that they have the greatest hearts. They have the greatest. And I've I've experienced it myself. I, I, I have been... Invited to so many meals and conversations with people. I've been, I've had the pleasure of being invited into people's homes. I know, I, I, I don't do it on purpose, but it's always very fun to go to someone, someone new's house because you just learn so much about them. Like, I, you know, the toilet paper's a joke, right? But you literally, you're like, oh, Colgate, you know? Oh, you know? Like... Some people, you see what they value. You know, for some people, their garden is immaculate. Like, wow, this person, they, they're a green thumb, you know. If you come to my house right now, I just mowed my lawn. It's very important that my, my lawn is somewhat clean and tidy. It's something that's very important to me, all right. But my room, not so much, right. I, what we call organized mess. I know where everything is, Right. My study table, I know where everything is, right? But, you know, for some people, like, you know, that, like, they have to start breathing. <sighs> you know, like the OCD people, they walk into, like, my kids' room and they're like, <sighs> you know, they just want to start cleaning it up, right? You know, for some people, you know, you, you come and, and, and this is the beauty of being a multi-ethnic church is I love walking in and being served things that I've never eaten before in my life, Right? I don't really like hot drinks, right? But there's this one hot drink that I really enjoy. Cinnamon tea. Huh. Who thought you could put donuts in tea, right? Like, it's amazing, right? I'm like, this is the greatest drink in the world, right? And I remember the first time I ever had it was at someone's house, right? Greek coffee. I don't like coffee, right? But... I was like, wow, and they're like making it and, you know, the effort that goes into making a Greek or a Turkish coffee, right? Like if you've never had it, like it actually takes so much work and effort, right? And I was so grateful, right? And, and, and you know, it's not, it's, it's not just, you know, it's just the hospitable part. I had someone come, a, a relatively new person, um, and they said, Steve, hey, we'd love to come over for dinner. Hey, can we bring dinner for you and the family? And then I have to ask him, like, when you say family, do you mean my wife and I, or do you mean my seven, you know, my whole seven, you know, five kids? And they're like, oh, you know, for your kids as well. And I'm like, do you have money? (laughs) You know, like, my kids eat a lot, right? Everyone's distracted by this moth. And I wasn't distracted until everyone else was distracted. Should I kill it? If I open, oh, it's gone. It squeezed, it heard me. Smart moth. And so this young couple, right, they turn up to my house and literally they've just gone, they went to Chinese, right, because, you know, we love Chinese, right? And, and I've said, hey, our kids eat a lot. And so usually when people come over, we go, hey, just bring food for the adults. Don't worry about our kids, right? And these guys are so adamant. No, 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 we want to we wanna bless your kids, right? And I was like, oh, my God. Did you just bring the south of China? <laughs> like, we had food for a week, Right, leftovers, right? But you know what? Just that 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 heart, that heart to serve, you know, that heart to open up, you know, your, your conversation. Friends, this is the very heart of God. This is what the heart of God is. And so as a church, as a community, we need to adopt this heart. I pray that we like, 
We may not be the smartest. We may not be the richest. We may not be the biggest church in Australia or in the world. But I think something that we can really strive towards is we can be the most open. And I think we're, in a, I think we're heading down that way. I think we're in a really great place. But the challenge is, do you hold things for yourself? Or are they for God? Including your home. Including your time. Including your money. Including your possessions. Friends, remember, when you openly hold things that God has given to you, instead of holding it with closed hands, Yes, they can come and go, but this allows God to bless you more and more. And I pray that as you learn hospitality, that you would realize that actually we are the greatest recipients of hospitality from God. Let's pray.